CNN, ain't see none of my friends. Swag gave me the blues, they never walked in my shoes. They want us living in fear, it ain't what I'm trying to hear. Switched it over to Fox, kept clicking, I barely stopped. New guests on NBC, no one that represent me. So I got tired away, sitting master debate. Give me some headlines, it must be past bedtime. Sleeping on me still like I ain't vitamin D for real. Rep your city, play devil's advocate. Ain't ready, gon' have to smack a bitch. Tell me something good, a recipe for success. Give me some timeline, chop session and flight deck. Hey, T. What's next? You, you're in love with somebody else When you should be in love with yourself Today I'll do a couple good deeds A walk and breathing blessing that's Once again, welcoming y'all back on a lovely Monday afternoon Really late Monday night, how we do this thing on color people time? These niggas see a dedicated boy music. Yeah, good hand bringing that back for the one time, one time, one time. And uh, as usual, per usual, I'm back with my running mate, my partner, my business partner, my colleague, me mate. And I won't call him the other thing Because of Kyrie Even though I did use it a second ago We gonna address that at some point Talk to the people cuz Man what is it We uh This is your boy P. Henry Trotter I.V. I.V. stands for the fourth But we also Give me all of that Well you want all of that P in your veins Uh Casino P um, P all by itself Sweet P Man, that boy from Real Dirty Dirty uh, Five Minutes from the Water uh, Gumbo P uh, Once again We out you man And I am happy to be here Once again in your presence And sharing this space um, This time with my dog My brother My business partner My colleague Me amigo COD I can't even finish the intro Without helping you flesh out One of them nicknames P all by itself I'm Mr. Lone P Oh that's hard That shit too hard I'm Mr. Lone P and I'll see your dedicated boy music. And this is season one, episode four of Give Me Some Headline. Now I'm talking about, and you know, we like to start this thing off with a little thing uh, I like to call the flight deck. You know what I'm saying? And that just means anywhere you take planes from. And uh, this week, I ain't even gonna tell y'all what the strand is. Jen, no, uh, I'm in the couch. <laughs> it's the end of this week. P, what you got going over there? I seen you pop a beverage, man. What you got? So you, you just hydrating or you really got something going? Oh, no, nah, man. We got a nice uh, Texas brew beer over here. Um, Carbock, brewed in Texas. Uh, Love Street, little blonde ale. Yeah, <laughs> okay. 4.5% Rip your city then. Rip your city. <laughs> yeah, we also do have water, but I'm going to take the... Uh, I'm not gonna shout them out like that. I don't know them like that. They ain't gave us, they ain't gave us no advertisement money. And five. <laughs> <laughs> you already know me. You can catch me with a couple of holes. You already know you, boy. Or out here with a couple of whole gardens. You know what I'm saying? Whole giggities. A Belgian pale ale. You know what I'm saying? Just like I like my. Never mind. 
Sprechen Sie Deutsch. But yeah, man, I just been chilling for a minute, man. And speaking of Sprechen Sie Deutsch, man, that Amsterdam trip, man, it probably was one of the dopest places I've been with the kind of mercurial experience. You know what I'm saying? I am extremely excited to take this trip that we're about to embark on. And I think we should kind of tease it as we get closer and closer to it and then talk about it after we take it and really fuck them up with the pics and visuals from it over the next couple of casts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be a part of the second half of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that'd be a good look, man. Uh, yeah, giving folks an insight to all the other creative endeavors and we told them we gonna just show them how we living and what living looks like to us. And that's what it's gonna look like to us. Uh, and yeah, for them to get to see that, I think they'll, uh, people will enjoy it, man. Um, Y'all will get at least two episodes with us in the same place this season. One for Houston and one from Wyoming, man, on game. <laughs> Maybe one from Colorado, who knows, man? We be somewhere everywhere. I'm ahead with man. <clears throat> and as we had that chop session, man, and and I think about this trip, man, I kind of want to give you the heads up that I'll be doing some different things and creating some different pieces as far as art inspired by our brother Will. Um, I miss dude, man. I really feel like, you know how you go through an experience like that and you don't talk to everybody on a daily basis, even if you have an affection and an affinity and a love for him. Man, I feel like he was one of the cats I'd have visited a couple of times a year, man. Right. And like seeing him would have kept that kind of connection to the ranch and it kept me connected with everybody a little bit more. And when I lost Will, man, that shit. I relate to death differently than most, especially when it's someone who I, even if I love them, if they're not a part of my everyday life, I experience losing them differently because of what the actual experience of loss is and what has changed and them not being available. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So if it's somebody I should have been going to see, a guilt arises. You know, I won't go too deep into talking about it from that angle because it's negative. But, but, bro, man, I really, he was a linchpin of love and connection to the ranch, man. Right. And, and we had so many dope conversations. And I plan on doing some writing and potentially some different little painting and stuff while I'm up there. And I'll bring extra canvases for you if you, uh, if you're interested in diving into that, but I think that'd be something cool to share with the people, Jay. And we ain't got to talk on the front end about where you're going and what the direction is. But just like on some, you showed up to art class and I got an assignment for you. You think you'd be with the shits? Oh yeah. That was my favorite class, man. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be, yeah, like you said, he meant a whole lot. I think y'all spend a whole lot more time together um yeah we we utilized our off time differently while we were up there and i think you spent a whole lot more time with, with some folks um than i did uh but we did have 
some alone time and then we had that commingling time that was dope like the first time we ever hit the cross you know he was he was our guide up there so um yeah to be able to share that experience with him and to be able to like to have the opportunity yeah, to go back to that area and uh and kind of pay homage in a sense um and reconnect with the place the people even though a lot of those same people won't be there I think it'll be um, above all good for the soul. Just to kind of give you guys an inkling of the type of person Will was, when he speaks about that hike to the cross, if you don't stop and you have hella stamina, we're talking about a 15, 20 minute hike, maybe 1.2, 1.3 miles, but it's a 900 foot elevation change. Some of the most beautiful hikes you ever seen in your life. But to speak to the type of person Will is, he was our guide. And he led from the back of the pack so that we could experience it without seeing his ass the entire trip. But like to be the type of person who takes joy from watching people you're close to experience something that means something to you to lead from the back of the pack speaks to the type of person we lost when we lost Will, you know what I'm saying? And I won't stay in, in, in loss too much for this episode, but in the chop session, thinking about returning to the Midwest and thinking about all the love that was on that mountain, man, him not, not being able to hit him up like, but we headed back up there because I'm going to hit Phil. I am Phil Bozzo, nigga. I am Phil Bozzo. I, I am Phil Bozzo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm finna hit up Selden. I'm finna hit up my boy, the sommelier. You already know the schmooze and shit, yeah, I mean? I'm a hella. You might shoot him like, yeah, man. I don't know if anybody gonna be up there in their time frame or what y'all mobbing, but if y'all in Colorado, we gonna bother y'all before we slide. You feel me? Right. And if the car empty, the car empty. You hear me? It's a four-hour drive back and forth. I'm with the gang shit. Yeah, I mean, I drop them niggas off and come back on y'all in the middle of the night if they come up for a night. You feel me? Yeah. I'm going to make sure the budget allow for us to do whatever the fuck we want to when we go. Like, like when I drop down in Texas, we going to make sure we got plenty of, uh, 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 what they call it, uh, range ammunition. We finna have a good time, my nigga. Business, I done ordered 400 dissolvable golf balls, nigga. We finna just be smacking them holes off a of medicine bowl. <laughs> and they gonna dissolve in the snow, you feel me? Bro, we finna do some, we finna have some time. They ain't talking about, and I need me a set of clubs in Houston anyway, so that I ain't gotta worry about flying back and forth with it. So when I come out there, I say we head out on like Cinco de Mayo, so that Tuesday, Wednesday, we got time to, you know what I'm saying, stick and move and shit. I'm, I'm taking me a set of clothes so we can bring it with us, you know what I mean? Now leave it in Houston. I mean, can I have that storage space, one set of clothes? Yeah. Yeah, we got the space. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that shit like, hey, like in my garage. Yeah. Yeah, we got the space. That's what's up, though, man. What's on your mind, though? Oh. Uh, you know, um, it's a big week, man. Uh, 
fifth anniversary coming up. Um, got that thing kicked off last night. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Fifth um, anniversary. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we was. Hey, you said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us was. Uh, we woke up this morning sick as damn dogs. Um, but yeah, so she just called off work. We just been mobbing out, man. Today been a, it's been a nice, solid little day, man. Nice day. Yeah, man. <laughs> <coughs> man, I've been sitting here thinking about how disconnected I am from some things with how discombobulated normality is with the whole I, don't, I hate even saying the word, so I ain't going to say it. With everything that we're dealing with as a world and as a country. But uh, I was so disconnected from the college basketball season this year, man. And, you know, I be on that Rep Your City shit, man. I follow them dogs in the war every year. It's the only team where, where I'm from actually has an impact on who I'm a fan of. Everything yeah. else. I follow players and people I'm inspired by, and usually if they got people from UGA on their team. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When Ty Gurley was on the Rams, I wanted them to win that Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, shit like that. So now that Matthew Stafford out there, I hope they smack some nigga. But uh, yeah, man, college basketball this year, I was very disconnected. Did you catch it at all? Because your team had a legendary coach step down, and I right. feel like I'd have missed that if if I was a UNC fan. I wouldn't have caught none of this final season. Right. Um, the regular season, I caught none of it. But, you know, like whenever the tournament runner, whenever it come around, you always at least catch a couple of the games, even if it's by complete accident. Um, and so by the – like I, I, I knew they weren't like – they was a little bit above 500 this year. Uh, my Tar Heels was, and I really didn't. Oof! You said under five hundred. It was a little bit over five hundred. It was like seventeen, <laughs> okay. seventeen to fourteen, or some shit like that. Like they got in, then they got in as a, like an eight or nine seed, some, something like that. Um, and I just knew that they were struggling. I knew Duke was struggling real bad this year. Lowest seed of sixteen, right? Huh? Yeah, see, yeah, sixteen is the the the, the lowest seed, and. Yeah, you got one through 16, and we were so we was the middle of the pack when we usually, at worst, in the time that I've been like a fan for real, we've been in 11 seed at our worst. Obviously, like usually we, we hover around one, two, or three at the worst of four seeds, something like that. Um, but this year, I knew that wasn't a team that they had. And so yeah. I, and it wasn't I, like I'm not a, bandwagon person this is out I usually don't with everything that we got going on with what we are creating it just wasn't in the cards for me to catch much of the regular season and they didn't have a product on the floor that I was like I need to I need to catch 20 of these games this year even though I love the game of basketball like I just the time to watch college <laughs> basketball isn't the time like where things get a little nuts because of the tournaments so I didn't catch shit until then. Yeah, man. It. I felt like it was 
literally playing darts. Like I could say all week, oh, I'm watching the UGA game this weekend and I'm talking about football season here because usually football season, I don't miss a beat. You know what I'm saying? Rain, sleet, snow, hell, high water. You know what I'm saying? And right. my G, I can count on one hand how many UGA games I saw. <laughs> and I like couldn't football? tell you, I couldn't even tell you all the players. Dead ass, I can count on one hand. Damn, yeah, we talk about that shit all the time. That's interesting. Right, you look, bro. <laughs> but you've been mobbing hard this year, though, so that's, that. I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of it. I ain't mad at nothing I did instead of it. I was just saying, yeah. hey, cash, not to yeah. Like, I've been like cats was hitting me up on rivalry stuff, like the Tennessee game. I got a cat I always talk crazy to. The Florida game, I got a cat I always talk crazy to. Like, I was getting the yeah, we coming at y'all this week. I was like, my nigga. I'm setting the roster for my fantasy football team. <laughs> <laughs> bosses, and yeah, but that's <clears throat> the reason I watched as much NFL as I watched this year is because of fantasy football. Like I don't, like I didn't. Otherwise, it was I was spending my time doing other things. So. Well, as two half-ass old shitty fans, I think we should bring in somebody who would I say genuinely qualify as a super fan, old head historian. Uh, you can't say, you can't talk about it because you ain't played a game. Like this our <laughs> college sports analyst, expert, player partner, colleague, Boo Parson, you know what I'm saying, BP. Don't gas me up, yeah. You know I mean, whatever you want to call it, man. What's up, G? <laughs> what up? What up? <laughs> What's happening with it, boot? <laughs> My brother. How y'all, how y'all doing? <laughs> man, we doing good, bro. How about yourself, man? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Awesome, awesome, man. And uh, just to give y'all a little bit of backstory on the connection. This is our brother in the story. Uh, but. You know, we we just heard from a UNC fan who really half-ass watched the final. Now I'm turning into an antagonist who really half-ass watched the final season of their head coach. Man, if this was Shashevsky's with all them K's, if this was his final season, kind of Celtic snake him away. How many of the games did you actually see this year? We gonna start there, bro. How many games did I see? Yeah, how many did you actually watch? Uh, probably I say ninety percent. You okay. watch ninety percent of Duke games this year. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, we catch them all. Damn, hey, Pokemon. Hey, I told you this is our college expert, kid. <laughs> so oh, we catch. What you watching? Ninety percent of them, man. Uh, what happened, man? Why the hell didn't y'all? <laughs> man, bro, <laughs> bro, this this a down year. This a down year. <laughs> You blaming COVID, man? What's the excuse though? Like, what's the explanation? Because, like, I genuinely didn't catch much. Man, we had all kinds of talent. We had we had some young guys, mostly young guys. We had a couple sophomores. Uh, we had a junior this year, uh, Joey Baker. He come in, you know, we expecting big things, and we just get. I feel like nothing as a Duke fan. You, know, you, <laughs> you expect big things from these guys. Uh, 
yeah, those uh, early on in the year, you know, we played Michigan State and uh, and then Illinois, and we just get smacked by both. And you know, those those games, you realized whether you got it or not. And after those two games, I'm like, we in for it this year. We. we in for it. <laughs> Yeah, the fork in the road y'all went left. I love it. I love it. All right. Didn't so then y'all have a dude step away? Like, didn't the dude like quit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Uh, Jalen Johnson. He, you know, big JJ. Yeah, he come in. I'm excited. You know, everybody, all the Duke fans, we excited thinking, you know, big stuff. I mean, he showed flashes on the court, but, you know, after those first couple, you know, you know, those big games that we lost, it's kind of like you can see he's kind of, you know, dejected. You know, he's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> this ain't what I expected. And then, you know, it got to that point where it's kind of like we kind of figured we might not make the tournament. And it was just like, you know, he he needed to get ready for the draft and all that. I respect his decision to leave, but you know, at Duke, it's like you all or nothing. You know, we, you know, it's basically championship yeah. or bus top, you know. The- speaking of speaking of flaky Duke players, man. I had to start with your team that got smacked before I went to one you could do some strutting on. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> Brother Kai, third eye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't call me the N-word, Kai. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, man. I'm going to just give you the flow, man. Brooklyn Nets, before I even retort, man. The Eastern man. Conference standing right now. We got Philly at 36 and 17, and the Brooklyn Nets at 36 and 17 in the list. I ain't even worried about the rest of them. Talk to me, boo. Man, the Nets, it, it's it's like a delicate egg, man. They a basket case, bro. You got you got Kyrie, who, you know, everybody knows he's delicate. You gotta, you gotta kind of vibe off him, you know, figure out how he's feeling, what he's thinking. You know, of course, you got Harden, who, in my opinion, one of the best players in the league. But like we've talked about, until he shows up in May and June, you know, we can't really, you know, we ain't got much to go on. So other than that, you got KD. You know that script of season. That might be why he disappeared, because they showing up. (laughs) Yeah. You got to check out the new recruits. (laughs) And then we got, you know, KD, who, you know, biggest question mark on him is always health. So... I mean, on paper, Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion, should win it all. But, you know, we've seen the other night. They got smacked. So, I don't Oh, know. yeah. I was wondering if you was going to get around the corner to the Lakers putting that bean on oh, their yeah. ass without our top five scores this season. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, without was... our top five. I think, I think the How Lakers. How that make you feel? I know you I, watched well, it. <laughs> oh, I did. I know. I think the Lakers, I think what they just figured out, I think they figured out that Schroeder could get under Kyrie's skin because, you know, they both oh, yeah. got ejected early third. So I, I don't know. I think and they thought, man, we just pulled a card we didn't know we had. So now I think they know they can get in their head maybe a little bit. And it's a different and he story. Played a, he played a game like a beautiful science, like on some Mayweather level stuff. <laughs> like if he ain't in his bag, I think it's going to spill all over the court, and I can't wait to find out mm-hmm. if we can get him off a game. Yeah, you, no you, doubt. I mean, you worried about the Bucks at all? I don't think they – I just don't think they got the depth, in my opinion. I mean, you know, Giannis is going to – he's he's going to do what he does. Uh, Middleton's going to score. He's, you know, 
great shooter and all that. But DiVincenzo, you know, you got guys like that who great role players, I think. But I just, Wait, you know, yeah, they <laughs> love them. They, they match them <laughs> up with, with the Nets on paper. Like I say, on paper, it just ain't close, in my opinion. That's what's so confusing to me. I feel like bodies, they match up. But the bodies, skill, talent don't like if Giannis and Durant are the bodies, they're not even gonna be on the same part of the court on either end of the floor. We don't right. want we don't want Giannis trying to guard KD on the perimeter. That's gonna be bad for his knees, his ankles, and his confidence. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gonna get dejected on that. Yeah. And I think I think KD getting in foul trouble if he tried that stuff he tried in Golden State during the Rome and weak side help on like he not mm-hmm. he not getting three blocks a game in the playoffs no. for the Brooklyn Nets because people gonna be trying Lamarcus Aldridge people yeah. gonna be trying DeAndre Jordan so yep. he gonna be swinging around their bodies and that's how you catch stupid fouls. Yep. I mean, they're I think we got y'all number man. Like, are you? Now, I'm going to just ask it directly. Are you less confident than you was a couple of weeks ago that you could smack the Lakers? Because you was talking big uh, talk. Not, not really. Not really. I don't <laughs> – I think – I think once you get – once you get the big three, once you get Kyrie Harden and, and KD rolling and they and they on there together, or or if you're interchanging guys and you're rolling different role players in there, I just – Can I like hit I you I with said, two Harden, counter Harden arguments? Be, yeah, Harden's the big question mark. I mean, if he shows up in May and June – I just and they get rolling. This I think it's game over. But but that's a, you said it earlier. You said it earlier in this discussion, boo. And it's like we've never over the course of his career, we've never seen him show up at this time. Like nope. he got he got to a he no. got to a finals with a team that had KD on it, a team that had Russ on it. That's he did. But even on that stage. He he wasn't that guy. Like he led the league in fourth quarter scoring that entire year, and I don't think in the ten years he like he had Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul, I think this Phoenix Suns team will do better than a Chris Paul Houston Rockets team would. That James. Oh yeah. And and so, but you got to think Devin Booker still ain't made an All Star team. Harden was an MVP when he showed his little punk ass up. So Devin Booker much more ready to follow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he I, what Chris Paul has. How do you get him to treat you like a legend without all the accolades? Are <laughs> <laughs> no, you yeah. right? James Harden didn't have like Chris Paul didn't have anything James Harden wanted. He was like, bro, I led the league in assists. I led the league in scoring. I won my MVP. I've actually been to the finals. You still ain't been to a conference finals. You get yeah. out of here and do what I tell you to do. But he was a better leader than Hart. Oh, so yeah. whether or not he's willing to play his role will be huge, bro. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's but who do you, but who who Who's the lead dog there? Because you think, like, cause the way Boo said it, Harden is a lead I don't dog. Like Kyrie. And it's got to be. It's, it's, it's got to be. be. Like, I don't, it's, it's I don't think it's KD. No. I don't think that's who I don't think that is that's who he is at his core. Yeah. The only right, right. the only person in that lineup that has been around a lead dog is Kyrie. And he was around Braun in Cleveland. Right. I don't think KD he did everything I, in his power I, to get away from him. And he did maybe. everything in his power to get away from him. Yep. And maybe hasn't I'm been wrong. a part of a playoff series where they won since. 
Yeah, I don't think KD vocal enough. To I think Kyrie is going to be the guy on the court. You know, KD might be the guy in the locker room, maybe, or you know, picking guys up. I don't think KD's ever showed that. Like, you know, he just worried about going out and getting buckets. That's all he got to worry about, and he knows it. When he was yeah, when he was in Golden, like, should he have stayed in Golden State? We may not have any conversation about like if Clay stay healthy, he stay healthy. Oh, we not having any conversation. Like they, I think they running the table for another few years because yeah. is he he was the he was he was the great equalizer. Like nobody they nobody had a fucking answer for him once they give him the ball at, no. in in the, in the late third fourth quarter and just say it just go to work. Now you don't have an answer for him. And if you help, you can't you can't defend him one on one. And then you got the two greatest shooters of all time. <laughs> Yeah, he like boo. Like, I want to tee you up on some before we get too far from it, man. I got two counter arguments to this next thing that I I just need you to address. The only team we saw win it in the first year is the Boston Celtics, and they were the first super team of this era. There was no super team to combat them, and it took them the most games of any team in NBA history to win that title. The next super team to be constructed was the Miami Heat, and they got bopped by a bunch of veterans in Dallas. You had old lad Jason Kidd. You had old lad Jason Terry. You had, oh, what, Vince Carter, I think? No, nah, I don't think Vince uh, Carter had got there yet. Uh, Tyson Chandler? Tyson Chandler, like, Jed Wiley, Vets, and Dirk in his bag. J.J. Barea a heavy contributor to that team. Yeah, they swept the Lakers. They got the OKC up out of there. Don't say that. Don't 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 hate, bro. <laughs> they swept the defending champion Lakers. They beat the OKC Thunder in five. Who went to the championship the next year to get bought by LeBron? They was a great team, bro. People can sleep on them all they want to. It's one of the best individual oh, runs through the playoffs ever. Has that? And then, so so to say, said all that to say, there is something to be said for people ain't able to do it in their first year. And there are other teams that are formidable for them to go through. So what makes you so confident they'll be able to do it in their first year having played seven games together? It's a good question. I mean, you're right, because, you know, that Dallas team, like, their cohesion and just the way they operated was, like, you know, primo. Like, they, like, you know, they played a lot of mistakeless basketball. Of course, Dirk was Dirk. He was unreal. I think Miami Heat, I think their problem that year was – you know, Wade, D Wade was, you know, that guy in Miami. And him and LeBron both have been ousted by Boston, you know, for, you know, a couple of years. So yeah. when they get together, I think it was kind of more like, in my, in my opinion, I kind of looked at it as like they had too much firepower. It was like, you know, it, they just wasn't, to me, it just seems like they weren't all that together. Whereas Dallas, like I'm saying, they had that cohesion, they were just more together. And so I think that. You know, they made that run. And then the next year, you know, Miami comes in and figures it out. And then we saw what happened. But for like Brooklyn, the difference in them first two years through the first 20 games, I think they were like nine and 11 that first year. In that second year, they had a 25 game win streak. It yeah, was like the yeah, longest 20, one in yeah. 17, 20 years or something like that. So I'd be scared of Brooklyn next year. I really, feel, I really believe we're going to be on y'all last this year, though, bro. Yeah. And if we get uh, Steph next year, we're going to be on y'all ass next year. Yeah. 
We might get Steph beat us if you want to. Bruh, the funny and then thing next year, is, y'all ain't gonna want to see us at all. The Your best bet is to lose. The funniest thing is like, uh, the funniest. I was just gonna say the funniest thing is side note. I've become the biggest Steph fan ever. <laughs> like the the Warriors going through their trials and tribulations the past couple of years has just made me fall in love with Steph. Like I hated that dude so bad for the past few years. You know, like. And then just to see them str- – to see their team, you know, not be just on top, dogging everybody, and to see him come still still come out and drop 40, you know, hitting these shots, just being who he is, man. I was just like, man, I got so much respect for this dude. He's just – he's a killer. Dame but, Lillard. He was Dame Lillard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like – Dame Lillard, no matter, Dame, how, yeah. no matter how Dame Lillard get his ass stomped, he probably gonna come back the next game and drop forty five. He he gonna he. I don't know if I can give him that AI dog, but AI because AI was a dog and AI had really nobody like nobody on AI. Everybody that was on that AI team that went to the finals was poo. They okay. was straight up poo. <laughs> now, they was trash. AI was a, AI was a six one a six one two guard. Yeah, those dudes like Theo Ratliff, Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles. Like them cats wasn't good. Them cat like they they was they would none of them would, would have been any other team's number two. Eric Eric Snow, like they were all serviceable backups. Right. Yeah. That like none of them that, cats was good, bad. Like none of them cats was great. AI was that great. And by the time he got the hell on out of Philly, it was just it was just too late. And he didn't have that time to build cohesion with another team. I don't think it was. I don't think it was too late. I think he was Andre Iguodala going to the Warriors, but he wouldn't accept his role. He could have had another seven years. When he went to Denver and he was with Melo, he was still stupid. Yeah. But that's why he wouldn't accept my role, because he was still he stupid. come off the bench. <laughs> I ain't trying to do that He could have played 30 I mean, minutes. He, he could have still played. Th- yeah, I blame him. Because... He was he was old and he wasn't gonna play more than thirty minutes even if he started. He had about six minutes a quarter in him. Bro. He did take a lot of wear and tear. You know he like he he yeah. didn't shy away from contact. I mean he going no. there relentless. Hey, I'm gonna hit he, you with some uh, with some COD bars on that Steph Curry though. Uh, 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 most people who catch five start giving the cold shoulder. Women who catch five become the target of our affection. We build them up to break them down. Circle of life inside that lesson. Y'all don't know nothing about this shit, man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we ready to love him again because they stink. If he was still good, we wouldn't be ready to love Steph Curry again, man. This all about part of his diabolical plan, man. This dude. <laughs> yeah. Steph Curry like, know what he, he do. Like. He got, he got yeah, Clay he hurt like. in that goddamn gym, man. He took man. last year off. He <laughs> said, Clay, take the year off, man. We're going to get another high draft pick. We're going to pull said, a rabbit out of hat. He said, I got half, I got half the fans loving me. He said, I'm gonna make the other half love me now. <laughs> I'm gonna get everybody. Like yeah, he finna he finna go on a diabolical, like the league gonna be so much fun for like the foreseeable future. Like, cause I don't see Braun like GM Steph is, is LeBron with a happy childhood. He was phenomenal, stupid, yeah. won two MVPs back to back. And then they was like, nigga, win the championship. <laughs> and then he won his first couple of championships. 
with a team where he won his first championship and then won with a team that was so overwhelming they didn't want to give him the credit for it. He LeBron with a happy childhood. Yeah. You're right. I ain't gonna he call did. him the GOAT. <laughs> what no, he, what but, made me just what made me despise Steph the most was he being the first unanimous MVP. You I know, that year me. that year I was like, unanimous really? Like, I mean he's great, <laughs> but yeah. Think of all the guys winning MVPs before him. You tell me none of them was unanimous. How how we get here? I mean, facts. What like Jordan already league. had his statue when he won his fourth. So you know that man at the time is being heralded as the goat. He wasn't unanimous when he won his last one. So Steph unanimous winning his second one. It's people with three yeah. and four, and they didn't win any of theirs unanimous. You yeah, feel what I'm saying? What, you don't give yeah. a dude his second one unanimous. Like, you getting up toward four and five, you're like, all right, can we all agree? We all can agree. Kareem Abdul Jabbar, yeah. he the best man to ever touch a basketball at this point, right? Unanimous? No, no you? Bill Russell by a landslide. <laughs> Nigga averaged 50 and 27, and Bill Russell win by a landslide. But Steph Curry won unanimous. I don't get it, bro. Yeah. It wasn't the case for nobody else. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody else. <laughs> Nigga, please. <laughs> that nonsense, man. But yeah, man. So so the Lakers, who you who you hate on constantly, they went five, 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 six. What's your prediction for Brooklyn, man? You got a prediction right now. You gonna say that for later in the season? You ready? To, you ready to talk big shit? Mm, that's a good question. Them it, twenty-one it, games, man. It didn't even take an MJ yeah, to get I, that chip. I don't know if they can beat what the Lakers did last year. I mean, especially so they're gonna lose. That's tough. They might be able to lose it in 21. They might sweep the East, and then we get y'all ass out of there and fire. We'll be oh, kind. We'll sure. gentlemen sweep you. For sure, I don't see no problem in the East. I mean, with Philly and Milwaukee, I mean, they I mean, they might be, they might become serious, but like I said, the firepower and everything, my, like, you got to think about the wild cards. Like, Joe Harris, if he's, if he's on, like, come on, man. I don't think anybody can compete, and especially in the East. Can well, I tell you the got. truth? If Joe Harris. Yeah, yeah. I've heard his name a billion times. If he walked into my apartment <laughs> right now, I wouldn't know who he was. Wouldn't know, wouldn't know him. <laughs> I'm like, who the nigga is? You need some water, bro? What's going on? I know his wife. So I know, yeah, I know, I know who Joe is. <laughs> who his wife? Uh his wife, uh, her sister's you, one you of know? I, I, I know his wife, yeah. His sister's uh his wife's sister is one of my good friends out here in Houston. So I've had lunch with her a couple times. But still, Joe Harris looked like every other motherfucker I've ever seen. Walking just a the, regular, just a regular guy. Walking yeah. the Sigma New at Swanee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's every tall. He's strolling the court and give you 30. <laughs> he will, yeah. He will stroll in and get 30 on you right quick. I know he played at UVA. He he got a chopper. Like the boy got a chopper. Um, yeah, he, he was one of the, he the ACC conference dude that back in the day, you know, I was just cringed. I couldn't stand him. You know, he filling up, getting buckets on Duke. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, why can't we stop this guy? Right. And then, you know, he go to Brooklyn and I'm just like, you know, 
now he just he lots out. I'd be remiss if I fail to actually hit our tagline in your first segment before we let you go. And we are called Give Me Some Headlines. So I'm going to give you a headline and ask your thoughts on it. You feel me? All right. NBA Power Rankings. The Phoenix Suns rise. Kevin Durant return ahead of massive East battle. So right now, number one team in the NBA by Power Rankings, the Utah Jazz with a 40-13 and 13 record. Previous ranking, number one. Phoenix Suns all the way up to number two from number four with 37-15. and 15. And coming in at number three, the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, I'm big, I'm big Lakers over here, but I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to the other NBA fans if I didn't ask you about the other two teams at the top of the conference. How do you feel your chances would look against the Phoenix Suns? And then give me a little Utah Jazz, which nobody think is going to make it out of the West, but give me a little Utah Jazz rundown. Uh, Utah, I mean, we talked about this a little before. Utah's tough. I mean... You know, Donovan Mitchell. You know, I don't. Y'all saw y'all saw the snippet with him and Shaq a while back. Yeah. You know, Shaq. Oh got on yeah. Him yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I just want get... you to know, um, because if I said behind your back, I'm gonna say it to your face. I said <laughs> he's a he's a good player, but when you really, I, I just don't think you're that guy. He was like, "What?" Because he didn't finish his sentence. He said, "I, I just don't think you're that guy." And I just wanted to say it to your face. And he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, then, then we got all that backlash about, you know, the old dudes, old heads need to shut up. And let the young dudes play. And I'm like, I mean, you just take it with a grain of salt. If you're, if you're Mitchell, you just got to look at it as like, those the guys best part era, of Shaq trying to take credit up. for his stats after he started going off. <laughs> yeah. You see, you see, I motivated him. No, you didn't. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that was last week, wasn't it? Hit us with that oh, comment. They, they have stayed good. They have done nothing but rise since he said it to him. So he been he been telling that lie for weeks. <laughs> yeah, I for know weeks. I heard him. I know I heard him last week after a game. You know, he was giving him props, talking about, oh, man, you're killing it now. You know, as if it was his comment that this sparked the run. <laughs> But yeah, Utah, man, they like I, uh, we talked about. I think I think if the Lakers got to worry about it, like Utah, the past couple of years, you know, they've went through the growing pains a little bit. Um, I don't know if, if they got you got to worry about Schroeder, the ultimate yeah. agitator. Chris Paul made Rondo swing on him. <laughs> he made Rondo give him a knuckle sandwich last year. That was my favorite part of the season. We won the championship. In six games, whole run twenty one. My favorite part of the year where Rondo serving that nigga Chris Paul a two piece, bro. So what you gonna do with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jay Harden, Fat Ass chasing Devin Booker around? Cause he actually move on the other end. He ain't gonna be jumping and passing lanes when that nigga not just standing on the wing waiting on the ball. What you doing with Phoenix, bro? Because if DeAndre Drummond put it on you, what you got for Aiden? They're not, they're not getting out the West because y'all playing the Lakers. But let's say in Bizarro World, what the hell are you doing with the Suns, man? I don't I don't think Aiden's Aiden will be that big of a problem, to be honest. I mean, it's one of those things like what the Lakers had last year, you know, when they had JaVale and you had Dwight Howard, you had bodies to keep continuously throwing in there. 
I think that's the same thing as Brooklyn, what Brooklyn's done now. I think they've loaded up, you know, Blake Griffin and, and LaMarcus Aldridge and them, DeAndre Jordan. They got enough bodies to just rotate out. But the, like you said, D-Book going to score. He going to light them up. But is, is him and Chris Paul going to match the big three? Are they going to – I don't think they can outscore them. Well, shit, man, we talking about the top a whole lot, you know what I'm saying? We all from the bottom, so let's talk about the bottom of the map. My dog P is a huge fan of all New Orleans team, and you will not stop talking to me about Zion. Do y'all think they're making the play in? Because I don't see them making the playoff straight up. Y'all think they're making the play in? What y'all got? What you think, P? Um, Nah, man. Not yet. (laughs) We not there yet. I I love my squad, man. We not there yet. We 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 haven't won a significant basketball game in like AD won his first playoff series. I think that's second to last year before he got up out of there. Um and like that was a that was yeah. In New Orleans, we gon we gonna be what we are until you you won game out of the play in spot behind Golden State. With 29 losses, they got 28. You won right. game out. Yeah, it, it's going to be some distance in that shit by the, by the time we – they're going to put some <laughs> hey, – some more distance in that shit. 72-game season with 25 plus 28, that's 33. They're playing 72 plays. games this year? 72. Y'all got 20 games left. And y'all one game out to play in, dog. If Zion's still dropping 38 a game like he's been the past couple, it's it's a good chance. It's Is a good chance. Zion still going to be... Up, boo. I'm just oh, being real, man. I, I, watched, I recently watched The Last Dance, and I realized how much it takes to make that playoff run. Zion, looking at him like he is a physical... He's a, he a physical anomaly. That's going to be a whole... like. It, he a problem, but can he – is his body going to wear down? He like a running back that that's on that 2,000-yard pace and then towards the end of the season, like, is he going to get stronger or is his body going to wear down because of all that, all of what he's carrying around? And I, I just don't yeah, – him and B.I., they're a great tandem. I think they one of the league's best one-two tandems. Um. Yeah, man. I just I don't know. I don't know if we there yet. I don't know if we there not, yet. Not that I gamble, but when I'm trying to make a little bit of money, uh I, I look for sandbag protocol. Teams like the Utah Jazz, who may be three, four games clear of anybody at the end of the season who got the one seed, will be kind of resting guys. And them may be the two, three games that get New Orleans into the play-in. You feel what I'm saying? Like, yep. sandbag protocol is great for gambling, but also for teams sneaking into the playoffs. It show up in the NFL big time because people will sit their quarterback. But, you know, they said Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and them the only two players on their team I know. <laughs> they still Joe got English. Rudy. They still got that dude Draymond was making fun of. They still got Rudy. Damn, Rudy. They still got him go uh oh not go bell uh the other one Rodney they got that dude Rodney uh Rodney Hood or McGrew yeah Rodney Hood I don't he know none Duke. of the niggas on that t- <laughs> he went to Duke he a former Duke guy Take I, think Trey, 
I think he Rodney about Hood, it. He pieced out to uh, Portland, and now I think they traded him to uh, Toronto, I think. Yeah. Oh, they sent him to Tampa Bay. Stop <laughs> said they sent him to another country. <laughs> That's a damn shame. Oh, man. Maybe my Pelicans can do it, man. I just, I don't get my hopes high, man. They, yeah, we we still young. I think we, we might be like one of the young, youngest three teams in the league or some shit like that. Man, the Pels, man, so many games, you know, they've, they've built big leads and then they just give it up at the end. I don't, I don't know if it's a defense problem, it's a scheme problem. I don't know, but they highly talented, man. They can put points on the board. Just, oh, no, yeah, they're hella talented. You but can't like, be scared Zion Lee is going to wow and say, hey, man, we one of the youngest team in the league. Nigga, either y'all young or not. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. Z, Z just got no – we got no data <laughs> to go off on him. We got you know, we got to see if he's going to hold up. We'll see. Yeah, IP? We'll see, man. Okay. Y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad, man. Your boy had a, a spades tail. I had to see what was going on with him. But, uh, yeah, saying we slid through the rep your city, man. And I don't know if you're ready to jump out of here, but the next thing we jumping into is uh, something we like to call color commentary, which is just random folk talking about a different form of art, different form of entertainment. And this week we're talking about Black Panther. Have you seen that joint? I have, it's been a minute. Yeah, man, it made me furious, man. And if you're ready to jump out, man, we'll let you go. And we appreciate your time, man. P, you got anything you want to chop, uh, uh, shout out or, uh, first of all, you gonna stick around or you headed out? I'll probably do it. I'll let y'all at it. Boom. But, P, what you got to say, man? No, nah, I just wanted to appreciate Boo, man, for uh for believing in the Pelicans, dog. Like not many people do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they got some Duke boys. That's Duke South. That's Duke South. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> hey, which gang, is, gang. Which is probably why I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, i just like to thank you for showing up the episode four, giving me some headlines, man. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself and this will be your first stop, not your last stop. Shouts out to my dog, man, BP, a.k.a. Don't Gas Me Up, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all, fellas. No doubt, man. I appreciate do, you man. for sliding through, bro. All right, we'll see y'all. See Peace. you, man. Well, when I say his pledge process was one of the funnest ones to do because I was pledge master for that shit. He's a great little brother. I'm going to just say that, bro. They was with the shits. You hear me? They didn't care about that. But yeah, man. We jumping straight into this week's color commentary, man. Two brothers talking about a little bit of Art, you feel what I'm saying? And when we talk about Black Panther, first and foremost, I'm going to uh, jump into a quote or excerpt from a book that I spent a great deal of time with. I was first introduced to it in my time at Sawani University of the South. Shouts out to the gang gang, YSR. Yeah, yay. Uh, 
The name of the book is called Honor, A History by James Bowman. And I wrote the passage down so I wouldn't have to flip through and find the page. But it says, <clears throat> a great many have grown up and intelligent people believe or pretend to believe that by behaving in a friendly and accommodating way to our attackers, we will show them that they have nothing to fear from us and so diffuse their wrath. The idea that such behavior would be taken by the ruthless and impeccable enemy only as a sign of weakening, weakness is as foreign to them as the idea of honor itself. I'm going to read that last sentence again. This for the nonviolence path people. The idea that such behavior would be taken by a ruthless and impeccable enemy only as a sign of weakness is as foreign to these people as the idea of honor itself. You hear me, my nigga? The concept of honor is not one for academia. These are not the people who fought with swords in the motherfucking Coliseum. So I'm going to start there before we get into this Black Panther shit, bro. The crooks of my argument to tell you what I'm going to tell you, tell you what I told you, is that D'Challa is point blank period by definition a traitor. And that the reason everybody has a distorted view of what actually happened is something that I affectionately refer to as protagonist theory. But before I get into all of that, now that I've introduced this to hit you with that quote, talk to me about your experience with Black Panther. Because I remember this rejoicing, this celebration, and we was all so fucking happy. And I loved the movie. Like, the shit was entertaining as hell. It's a 10 out of 10 as a movie. But I'd like to argue some of the conceptual acceptance of who the hero is in that story that bothered me. You feel what I'm saying? But speak to yeah. me about how you received it, bro. Um, as a, as an artistic work, I really liked the movie. Um, yeah. I love the, like the costumes. I love like the characters and like the character development. Um, I love like the idea of Wakanda and, kind of how they brought the vision of what it looked like and what it represented. Um, I loved like the army of, um, I forget the name of the army of the, um, the women of Wakanda, but uh, like, I, <laughs> like I love that, that ideology and like the symbolism. Um, I really enjoy like looking at all the, the different technological advancements that they um like broad and you know, obviously it's fictional, but you know, being that representation of what Africa represents, what vibram vibranium represented, um, and for it to be the most technologically advanced um, and the most evolved culture in the world, and it was kind of hidden in plain sight. Um, it was yeah, it was a very very dope artistic uh, concept that they brought to life in a really, really interesting way uh, that I enjoyed the story, but like from the conceptual point of 
yeah, who they painted. And it is, yeah. And you have, I believe you're going to talk more about um, how they, how they paint characters with storylines. Um, so I'll let you do that. But when it was over and I got to see some of the commentary online about who the protagonist was, I liked it versus what the the masses and who the masses saw as the protagonist um in the good guy in that movie so uh yeah it's but you get those minds that are analytical that look at the actual series of events the decisions that were made how they played out the effects they had on the story um and so that I when I looked at that I definitely looked at the main character and the person they painted as the hero. He was, he wasn't the biggest hero to me. I wouldn't say, I won't say he wasn't a hero in the movie. I would say, I wish there were, there were things I would have done differently with the, with the ending of that movie. I'll say that. You feel me? Now, the first thing I want to read to you is something that is kind of a brief synopsis of protagonist theory and about people, that we view ourselves as the protagonist in our own story. Perhaps it is worth noting that the most successful and well-regarded individuals are those who manage to contribute to the stories of others. They step outside of their own plot line to recognize the role they play in the lives of others. And the reason protagonist theory is important in watching film is because at the height of enjoyment, you're really able to lose yourself in the story. And I find that that's maximized when I place myself in the movie and play out the emotional path of the film through the through the eyes of one of the characters. You know what I'm saying? If I'm, okay, all right, I'm the husband in this, I enjoy this. When I watch Gone Girl, I am genuinely terrified the whole movie. You feel what I'm saying? Because I see stuff that he don't even see. And I'm like, oh, my God, how is this going to impact me? (laughs) You feel what I'm saying? So protagonist theory will drive you to experience a movie in a different way, depending on who you identify with in the story. And with everybody wanting to be king because T'Challa was king, everybody goes T'Challa. But as someone who is a Libra (laughs) and looks at things from a level of things being in balance, the actual story that took place makes me extremely uncomfortable up there with the level of Avatar and we'll do Avatar another day. We don't watch that together a few times, but uh, I'm going to read to you the little excerpts. from. Yeah, yeah. 
off in the building. One thing on my mind, my one night stand contract, it need to be signed. All my bills is paid, fresh fate, all good, drinks made, it all goes on my tab. Keep the number to that cab, we'll see, we'll see. Girl, I'm blessed, I'm not lucky, Hey, Reading you a quick synopsis written by the editor. After the events of Captain America's Civil War, Prince T'Challa returns home to the reclusive, technologically advanced African nation of Wakanda. To, to, oh, I'm tripping. I'm going to start over. I fucked that out of y'all. After the events of Captain America's Civil War, Prince T'Challa returns home to the reclusive, technologically advanced African nation of Wakanda to serve as his country's new king. However, T'Challa soon finds he is challenged for the throne from factions within his own country. When two foes conspire to destroy Wakanda, the hero known as Black Panther must team up with the CIA and members of Dora Malaji, Wakanda Special Forces, to prevent Wakanda from being dragged into world war. Nigga, if you watched any other motherfucking series, you know that the very next thing was that instead of being dragged into world war, the war was brought to Wakanda and they destroyed the shit. Good thing they didn't take the war to the rest of the world. The fuck ever. Here go another synopsis. Black Panther follows T'Challa, who, after the death of his father, the king who of Wakanda returns home to be isolated, technologically advanced African nation to succeed to the throne to take his rightful place as king. This shit written crazy. This ain't me, y'all. But when a powerful old enemy reappears, T'Challa, <laughs> T'Challa's metal, like this shit written wild. Long story short, look at how they wrote this shit. The nigga that killed his daddy when he came to Wakanda to steal vibranium, they nursed him back to health. They took his arm off and nursed him back to health. When Killmonger's father told a white dude how to steal vibranium or whatever the shit is, not vibranium, what's the shit, bro? It's vibranium. Oh, when the when he told a white dude how to steal vibranium, he flew all the way to America and orphaned his son. Didn't tell him shit, didn't bring him back to Wakanda, just orphaned his son. The nigga that the, the nigga that killed your father came right. to Wakanda to steal vibranium. You spared his life, took off his arm, nursed him back to health, and then gave him his arm to help fight that war that you didn't want to take to the rest of the world. You was cool with Thanos bringing the shit to Wakanda. The fuck out of here. Good thing you and that CIA agent made sure Killmonger didn't take the war to America. The fuck? But... Even even beyond that element of the fuckery, how they tell the story and victimize this nigga like the characters from Civil War aren't the reason his father did, like the people in the movie are the reason his father did. Two old enemies. 
Killmonger not an old enemy. He a new enemy created by your father killing his father. Killmonger got real beef. You killed my father, son. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, I was about to say, I'm about to take it to Chappelle. <laughs> Nigga, try to get my father. No, he succeeded at killing my father. I'm here to avenge my father's death, bro. I'm gonna go yeah, through he did a it. few. That what I'm saying, bro. I'm gonna go through a few quick points in the plot, bro. That point to T'Challa being the villain. The most important part of Black Panther is who is Black Panther to me. When T'Challa comes home after his father's death to assume the throne for king during the ceremony, they ask all of the different tribes if they have anyone who wants to challenge him for the throne of king and battle in ceremonial combat. And M'Baku steps up. He's from the secluded tribe that went up to the mountains when all of the technologically advanced stuff started to happen. And when Umbaku steps up to battle him in the ceremonial fight, he relinquishes the powers of Black Panther right or wrong. He does. All right. The second time, because everything works in threes, there are three acts in a play. Anyway, everything works in threes. The second time there is a battle for the throne of Wakanda, Killmonger comes, shows his royal bloodline, Proves his right to challenge for the throne. And one thing I didn't mention about the first thing, when a challenge is levied, it has to be accepted, right or wrong. Correct. T'Challa silences his family and says, I accept your challenge. And ends up getting his ass thrown off a waterfall straight up fight, even after his uncle intervened in the battle, but sat and stood his fuck ass by while that nigga daddy killed his father. You stood by and watched my father get killed in America, but you gonna jump into a fight for the throne of Wakanda in Wakanda? You a coward. T'Challa at every point in this process had coward shit happen. Did anybody in the mountain tribe jump in when T'Challa was beating the hell out of Umbaku? Not that I recall. I remember T'Challa and a big point in his character and him being worthy of being king is that instead of killing Umbaku, he reasoned with him and said to him, brother, your people need you. Surrender. And that was a huge moment in the movie. I remember thinking, hell yeah, man, that's some gangster shit. But this is me just being emotional and watching the movie and taking the journey. This is before we see that nigga in that motherfucking goose down coat staring at that motherfucking axe. You f- this before we see, bro. You feel me? Then before Kill- Killy get in this bitch. But uh, the third time there is a fight for the throne of Wakanda. Oh, my bad. Here's a huge point in the story. Because this great king has foresight, the very first thing Killmonger does is have his subordinates burn the field of flowers that give you the power 
of Black Panther. But the former king's little sister steals a flower. She steals the power that should only be given to the king of Wakanda. The first, thing, <laughs> the first thing that the former king's sister does is commit an act of treason and go against the wishes of the new king. That's the first thing that happened in the movie. Before he asked them to do anything else, he had the foresight to not trust his new circle and say, burn this field. It will be reproduced when it needs to. But right now, burn this field for now. I want to make sure don't no fuck shit go on. And in the third act of the movie, what happened? The disgraced king. Imagine if the story of Black Panther was Umbaku gets thrown off of the waterfall and then somebody from his tribe steal a flower and come back to fight T'Challa. Would he be the goddamn hero if he won? Ain't no way in hell he'd be the hero, right? Nah. So T'Challa gets thrown off the waterfall. The reclusive tribe fish his ass out, put him on ice. His little sister steal a fly, will take it straight to him and give him the powers of Black Panther. And instead of letting Killy go and give their technology to melanated people around the planet, they led a revolt to kill him and then went and gave the technology to the CIA leading Thanos right to fucking Wakanda. No longer reclusive. Yay, T'Challa. Why the fuck is he the hero, bro? That's just my color commentary. And I appreciate y'all for listening to that bullshit if y'all did, but that's how I feel about it. And you may feel differently, but explain to me how he not a traitor Explain to me how Killmonger did something wrong by burning the field that the disgraced king little sister stole something from and took to the disgraced king immediately after he lost a fair fight that his uncle interfered in. He was a snitch, an informant. That nigga was a CI in America and stood by and watched Killmonger a father be murdered. But as a heralded, loved king back in Cushy Wakanda celebrated for being a fucking snitch, you gonna jump into a fight for king? You gonna jump into a fat fight because you done built up an affection for T'Challa? That's some whole shit, bro. Period. And I shut up on that, man. I let you respond, and then we can move forward. But but I'm I'm hot. I'm still hot. Every time I watch that movie, it drives me crazy that they celebrate this nigga T'Challa. How he not the traitor? Because that's not the way it's supposed to go in your mind. Like I mean, and we and, and this is a deeper this is a deeper conversation because we know what Hollywood is. We know we <laughs> yeah. like, we know what it is. It's not meant for us, like to you know, like it, it it paints that picture. But when you look at it in the context, and you look at the series of events and how they break down, like I said, if I had written that movie, I'd have written it a lot differently than it went. Not even a lot differently. It would have just <laughs> been some. It'd have been some pivot points. 
because I don't know exactly. I don't know if it was Ryan Coogler who I think he would direct. Like, I don't, I don't the know if way you make writer. that shit from a morality standpoint, you make Killmonger so well researched that he had cultivated something that's comparable to that flower from seeds his father had stolen. So he wasn't quite Black Panther, but he was superhuman and he cheated in the first fight. That's how you make it fair. You feel what I'm saying? When you write in the story, Killmonger has to cheat somehow in the first fight. But for him to come in, prove his right to the motherfucking challenge and then just beat his ass, everything that happened after that is some bullshit. Yeah. He had to have cheated in the first fight. You know, that's just my shit when they you gotta, you gotta write a, that different. They created a CIA operative that was good for black people. That's how I knew it was some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not planting the wrong seeds, inception. It's a dangerous thing. Inception. Yeah. You can't be the bad guy if you do what the CIA wants you to do. Fuck out of here, kid. That's how you should have known he was the bad guy. The CIA was on his side. Fuck out of here, man. That's how you know he was the bad guy. Come on, black folk. <laughs> what third eye cow when you need him? Talking about don't call me nigga. Don't do this to me no more. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> Unless you saying shots out to Chad. Uh, rest in peace to the God, man. I got a great deal of love for you, man. Like, I've been watching Brad and enjoying him and shit since before I realized it was him. And that shit crazy to me. Same as Michael B. Jordan. When somebody told me he was one of the kids in Hardball, I said, get the fuck out of here. He was like, he was G-Baby, big brother. I said, get the fuck out of here. That yeah. nigga told when G... Because, like, Mufasa didn't tear, make, tear you up watching The Lion King. Simba giving him them shoves. Get up. Like, that's what fuck you up. Yeah. G-Baby... Passing was spoiler alert. G baby passing was rough, but the way Michael B. Jordan responded is what fuck you up. You know what I'm saying? Like that nigga been adding his ass off for a minute. So on some protagonist theory, uh uh, shouts out to third coast to high tide, uh <laughs> executive produced my life story. And Michael B gonna have to fucking play me. You already know it. In. Yes, sir. Uh, you mind if I do something right quick, man? If I change gears real quick? Since we coming out of this segment, you mind if I give you some headlines? Yeah, man, give me some headlines. Um, I thought you was about to say N-T-C-Y-O. NTCYO. Not to to cut you off, but acronyms ain't your thing. Go ahead and give me some headlines. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Not to to cut you off, but uh, man, the W. Oh, I meant to ask you this the other day. What am I, what are you listening to me out of? What do I hear you out of? Yeah. You coming out of my uh, speakers, my um, computer. Okay, yeah. 
You hear that in the mic on the mix down. Go ahead. We got to get you some Bluetooth that you. you can plug. You good. It, it's good for now. Go ahead. Uh, the, the WNBA draft arrives with women's game rising in popularity, prestige, and social power. They they what? The WNBA draft arrives. Oh, okay. The draft. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With women's game rising in popularity, prestige, and social power. The CDC just declared racism a public health threat. Here's why that's so important. No. <laughs> right. And the first successful wireless no. human brain computer interfaces here. Fuck. That last one scared me, but I need to hit a second one. Shit. Damn, that's the crazy thing about this show, because you can't bring the other one back on another show. I guess you can, and I can either pick it or not pick it. The only ones that fall off is the ones that get picked. Shit. Fuck. That wireless brain interface one is... Tell me about the CDC, man. <laughs> Shit. All right, man. So racism. Who uh, Who is the CDC article hosted by? Uh, this CDC article is hosted by Health Health Magazine. Okay. Maybe have some interesting stuff. Just so people know you ain't getting this off a quack website. Right. Um, it directly affects millions of Americans, and because of that, the entire nation as a whole, according to the CDC director, uh, Rochelle, Rochelle Walensky, is affected. Um, racism and its devastating impact on people has been an issue for centuries. And now the Center for Disease Control and Prevention is speaking up about the impact of racism on health. The CDC just declared that racism is a serious threat to public health, specifically addressing the impact it has on mental and physical health. Racism is a serious public health threat that directly affects the well-being of millions of Americans, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, MD, said in a statement. As a result, it affects the health of our entire nation. Racism is not just a discrimination against one group based on the color of their skin or their race or ethnicity, but the structural barriers that impact racial and ethnic groups differently to influence where a person lives, where they work, where their child, where their children play, and where they worship and gather in community. You know um, what I Dr. see? Dr. Walensky also said that racism has lifelong negative effects on the mental and physical health of individuals in communities of color. Uh, I'm gonna give you my initial thoughts and I would love your feedback. Bless me. How the fuck is that a revelation in 2021? How is that just now becoming a revelation in the year of our Lord, 2021? After many's Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died 2021 years ago, how is that just now a revelation or being acknowledged by the Center for Disease Control that racism affects people negatively? especially the people of color who this oppression is, this crown is placed, this crown of thorns is placed on their head. 
it affects them negatively. And we should acknowledge the fact that it affects where they live, where they can work, where their children play, where they worship. Yes, we knew this when they, when the little racist kid, like, I ain't even got to give all the examples of why this is, why it's crazy that this is only now a revelation. But I'm glad you chose this one because I this was the one I, I like. I I was like, man, he, he, I set you up with the other two. I, I knew you would be interested in the brain one. I knew you'd be interested in WNBA, but I thought you would pick this one because of the mind that you have. It's like, oh, I got to know yeah, what, what, what the CDC got to say. That's what they got to say, man, is that a medical doctor in the year 2021 believes that racism is it negatively, neg- negatively impacts millions of people in the United States of America and on a broader scale of the world. Uh, let me know your thoughts, man. Trying to see why they feel ain't working, bro. Can you see it? I cannot. You might be too far away from it. Had to put on my conspiracy brother hat. You got to ask yourself, why, my brother? You got to ask yourself, why? Why in the year of our Lord 2021 would the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, the agency contracted to fund with unlimited resources all COVID-19 assistance for any parties who do not have the ability to address it on their own? Why would the Center for Disease Control make racism a priority? My brother, I tell you why. Because they plan on using resources to make sure underfunded, rural, resource-deprived communities get that motherfucking vaccine. What's your what's your uh, your logic behind that? You haven't looked at the task force that they approved. It's been countless, I say before another episode so I can have all of the ducks in a row and I can have the websites and the actual doc orgs that you need to go to and the .gov so people know it's not just coming out of my ass. I done lost my mouth, so I ain't gonna be able to take off my conspiracy brother sitting. <laughs> I'm probably sitting on that, huh? Correct the mundo. Appreciate that logic on me being too far away. But yeah, bro, very simply, the CDC is going to commit resources to making sure racism doesn't prevent people from getting this COVID vaccine. 
Mark my words. I give you the shit to support it. Season one, episode five. Square bids. Nah, what's your thoughts though? Because that's my hypothesis. That's the why. Why in 2021? Because you asked that question. Why now? Yeah, I, uh, why now, Pete? Because they've been saying that this has disproportionately affected people of color and Latino people somehow. How is it hitting us disproportionately? Because they're more likely to have pre-existing conditions and COVID has affected people with pre-existing conditions more often because they don't have access to preventative care. They have responsive care. Like I've been looking at where... I don't even know what to tell you, bro. I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah, man. It's uh well, yeah. This is where we are in 2021. Speaking of where we are in 2021, man. I like to play devil's advocate for a second, man. I want to hear it. Shouts out to the dog Tyler, man. And uh the I'm not here to argue podcast. Who is it brought to you by? Um, underdog. Underdog. Hold on. Yeah, he'll get that for you. Shouts out to Tyler. I am the cub. But uh, just to play devil's advocate for a second, man. One thing that I've become very conscious of just being a people watcher, a steward of the culture and watching the conversations around each other. As communities that have been disenfranchised forever start to reclaim their power, rightfully so, and fight for what they are calling equality, one thing that I'm noticing is things that everyone has always dealt with is being eradicated from things that they deal with. But they, as a community, are perpetrators of it with clear consciences. You feel what I'm saying? Like, they'll characterize stuff as bullying. They'll talk about how negatively it affects them. They'll talk about the reverberations of it, like how it affects a person internally, and then turn right around and do it to what they feel is the majority communities. Because the act isn't wrong if it's done to what is the majority. It's only wrong if it's done to a minority or a subsect or a community that is not not as well, that has been disenfranchised or disrespected for bullshit reasons. Because there's no reason to disrespect any human being or to convince yourself any human being is less than or doesn't deserve some sort of fucking access to the same rights as you. There's no reason to convince yourself of that. So these communities are lashing out and going for what they are calling equality. But just from a 
human standpoint, man, I'm going to just say this shit unfiltered. As a man, as a black man, as a kid who grew up as a poor ass black man, I'd be damned if you come scream at me about the patriarchy and all the the fucking slanted playing field. Because I'd be damned if you convinced me I benefited from the shit. You feel what I'm saying? On some of the stuff I'm educated on, I can respect that. But on a grand scheme, like, yo, like, if you think that melanated people don't experience a pay gap, (laughs) just like women experience a pay gap, like, it's a reason I work. 100% 100% commission jobs and have since I was a kid. Cause you gotta pay me based off of my production. You feel what I'm saying? And you're not gonna pay me by the hour, nigga. I'm done when I'm done working. Holla at your ass. Pay me by production. But anyway, said all that to say this, man. Identity deeds. One of the most beautiful things about 2021 and disenfranchised communities taking ownership over their identity, like that's what I call identity deed. Like you can't tell women shit about what it means to be a woman. You can't tell people from the LGBTQ community shit about what it means to be LGBTQ. You understand me? You can't tell them shit about whether or not they were born that way, whether it was nature or nurture. They know exactly who they are. There's an ownership. There is a power over that ownership. And they don't accept people speaking on their communities from outside of their community, let alone in a disrespectful way, but on some, I know what your identity looks like and let me tell you about it. It's a whole lot of listening that's supposed to be going on right now. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And the reason I talk about identity deeds and having ownership over your identity is as a male who is heterosexual, cisgendered, it is obvious that don't nobody give a fuck about our identity and us having ownership over our identity. They comment on it. They talk about it. They make all kind of wild ass accusations. They say everything we do homophobic. And then they turn around and take everything we do and say, if you do that, it's gay. Like I seen some play out with this Salt Bay dude at his restaurant where the dude's spoken reasons was excited as shit because he had always wanted to eat at this joint. So he get the blade. He dropped that guy out there. He bite the steak. Big comment shit go viral. The girl said, if my man did this, I'd get up and leave couple of weeks later, Amari Cooper at the restaurant. He refused to bite the meat off of the knife. And a gentleman reposted and says, heterosexual men are so homophobic. Why won't you just bite the damn steak? Because women reposting this shit and saying, if we do it, they're going to get up and leave us. Even though we paint like nigga, you seen them tabs from them Salt Bay dinners? You paying a seventeen thousand dollar tab, and she mad you excited to eat the goddamn steak. You gay for eating the steak off the knife, 
and you're homophobic for not eating the steak. Our identity is under attack and everybody feel comfortable to say whatever the fuck they want to about heterosexual cisgendered males. But everybody else has an ownership over their community and attacks anybody else who speak on it. Let heterosexual cisgendered males start telling women what they can and can't do in their actions. Oh, you can't do that. That ain't womanly. That's gay. Imagine what the response would be whatever we assign that action to be. Seriously, bro. It was a whole thread about all the stuff men do this gay. People who twerk on each other and rub their genitals on each other, sleep in the same bed, kiss each other, tell us saying bye-bye is gay. What the hell are we supposed to do, bro? I can't tell my dog bye-bye, but y'all sleeping in the same bed on the road trip. Get the fuck out of here, man. Your thoughts, man. Oh. Uh, I get it. Like, I totally get it. And it's frustrating. And I see it. Um... Like it's definitely a part of my consciousness and it's frustrating, but at the same time, like you said, you know who you are and I know who I am and nobody can take that away from us. But at the same time, we, we know where we stand with how we feel about. You're a bigot for trying to take it up for away from other people though. Yeah. We know they're, how we feel. They're like brave we, for trying to take it away from you, though. Yeah. They attacking the patriarchy. I'm not the goddamn patriarchy. I ain't built or benefited from shit having to do with it. Like, get out of here with that shit, man. Don't That's attack me. Don't attack me like you breaking down what they built. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Like, don't attack my identity. Don't take try to take ownership <laughs> over my identity in trying to balance out, bless you, something that I didn't Appreciate put you. out of balance. You feel what I'm saying? For sure, Joe. And it's, to reshape the argument, it's, I recently read a book called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. And one of the, and I don't know how, I, I feel like this is a part of this argument, but one of the laws is like the law of the mind. And it's, you can't change, you can't change anybody's mind about you. Like you, it's a waste of your time to spend your energy working to get somebody once they made up their mind about you to change it. But the way you change that person's mind is you have to change the mind of how other people view you. So the, how the masses view you. So say there's one person that makes up their mind about GSH. If a hundred people say GSH is fire, what are you talking about? This is you, you way out of bounds. That person them, they'll think, man, I'm out of pocket then. I need to, re I need to revisit this. 
And so I, in working to gain our ownership of our identity is simply living that identity. Like we are advocates for the LBGT community. We are advocates for women. We don't prescribe or ascribe anything to those people, to those groups of people that they don't want to ascribe to them. We allow them to be them. And so, and we only want that in return. We respect the fact that we don't allow anybody to do a goddamn thing. It is their right to, and we don't get in their fucking way. Right. We respect the law, the laws of nature. You know what I'm saying? We respect the love. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Whenever there's a, uh, whenever there's a conversation on Twitter about how bad a period is for women, (laughs) that's women's business. Ain't no, ain't no space for a man to hop in there because you ain't got no period. You don't know what it's like to be us. So you, how can you can't? Women don't know what it's like to be a father, but they feel free to speak on what a good one is. How openly can men have a conversation about what a good mother is? Yeah. This I what I mean. This is what I mean by <laughs> identity deeds. We don't have we don't have ownership over our identity in any way. Once you give birth, you're a great mother. Thank your mother. Thank your mother. Thank your mother. Thank your mother. The moment your partner give birth, you are one hundred percent fucking open season for critique in every way. And you could be any and everything to your child and be considered a shit father for what you are to the mother or not. You know what I'm saying? As far as as a proper companion, you feel what I'm saying? On a basic level, a mother is a child's greatest resource. So if you ain't making sure the mother good, you fucking up. You know what I'm saying? So you convince yourself, nigga, I do all that shit for my son. And this is just my opinion. Opinion like an asshole. Everybody got one and they all stink. This is just my opinion. So everybody have a different view. And I don't think anybody respects that nobody else has to live by what your view is. The only people they feel like we should all speak on it and they should be pushed and pulled culturally by what the fuck we say is everybody outside of the majority. Christians have been browbeating the world with live the way we say live for centuries. And now the only people it's okay to talk wild as fuck about is Christians. Like think about some of the horrible things that have been said and done in the name of Christianity to the homosexual community. Yeah. Now, now that there is a clear consciousness to how fucked up it is to even speak the way some people spoke and to let go a lot of the ignorance and shit that was present, even when we were young, you feel what I'm saying? Some of the, some of the concepts and shit that was out is just, we saw it to be bullshit, but on a mass level, there's an awakening to some of the just decent human being interaction that need to happen. You feel what I'm saying? 
the visceral response to being mistreated is still present. And the homosexual community says wild shit about the Christian community. They deliberately attack and antagonize the Christian community on a regular basis. When Lil Nas X saw that he bothered the Christian community, he partnered with a shoe company and sold 666 pairs of Nike with blood from his fans in it. If if the church upset the homosexual community and responded by going to old rituals and doing something aggressively disrespectful to the homosexual community, we'd all see that as fucked up. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when somebody from the homosexual community or the LGBTQ spectrum does something that antagonizes the other side, how is it okay and celebrated culturally to shit on them? Yay, we antagonizing them. Take that, take that, take that. That ain't equality. That's something different. It's, uh, and that's the, me and the lady had a conversation the other night and we talked about what is a good person. And she asked me, do you think you're a good person? And I answered, I was like, I think I'm a good person. And she's like, what constitutes a good person? And I had to think about like, what constitutes, like that's the thing is her point was like, there, there is no definition. Like we don't agree on, we don't agree on, all right, a good person. We can't, say that there's one single defining statement or defining set of rules for what a good person is. And I say that to say, I know it is not. And it's when you have the platform or the power and you do to the other side what they do to you. Like it doesn't, that's, it's tit for tat and it doesn't create a society where we find that like, obviously we have our divisions within, within society. Like you can create a division anywhere, but like to have those conversations about these are our differences and to not look to, well, this is how you've been treating this group of people for centuries. Now that we have a voice or a platform where we can be ourselves, we're going to treat you the same way that you treated us for all those different centuries. Like that's, that's not, that, that that's not what constitutes a good person. Like now that you have. What's good for the goose power, is good for the gander. Don't lead to balance. It don't lead to balance. Like it's, it, that's not, that's not going to lead us to balance and that's not going to lead us to a, but in that same breath, I'm like, well, shit. But we talked about Black Panther earlier. It's, do you just go to war? Like if one side shows violence toward one side and then that, that other side says, well, if I show you peace, do I make progress? So is the answer for that change that folks are looking for, that clash in the middle. 
a great many grown up and intelligent people believe or pretend to believe that behaving in a friendly and accommodating way to our attackers, we will show them that they have nothing to fear from us and so diffuse their wrath. The idea that such behavior would be taken by a ruthless and implacable enemy only as a sign of weakness is as foreign to them as the term honor itself. So for those of us who are not disrespecting the community, for those of us who are not a part of oppressing the different disenfranchised communities, but fit different majorities simply by DNA and birth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We just supposed to sit, we just supposed to sit by and be attacked and stay silent. That's how we show that we allies. We're supposed to fight with you and then just sit by and remain silent when you attack the groups we're a part of. Just sit by and shut the hell up. That's how we show that we with y'all by fighting with you and then sitting by when you attack us. That's a lot to expect of an ally. There are no common interests. We are going to fight for what you are fighting for and let your shit on us. Okay. We'll see how sustainable it is. Yeah. It's 2021. We'll check back in in 2025. I have no opinion on the matter. I'm just simply playing devil's advocate and trying to start a conversation. Like I I have no opinion on the matter. I have learned that my grandma made, my grandma taught me this when I was like three. Uh, You got to teach people how to treat you. And this is for any community, LGBTQ, black, white, Peruvian, Mexicano, my, my brothers and sisters out of Africa, whatever community you're from, whatever label you have attached to yourself, whatever pronouns you feel fit you best, God bless you. And this is a lesson from Martha McCree taught my heart. She taught me everything I know about love from a basic human standpoint. Uh, she said, baby, you got to teach people how to treat you. And everybody heard this second piece. The people who matter will learn. And the people who won't learn don't fucking matter. So understand that as your ally, I'm simply telling you that I'm out here learning because I care about learning how to treat you. And I love you. Even though I don't know you, I love you. And I'm out here learning because my grandma told me you got to teach people how to treat you. And I'm one who always tries to work to make sure people don't have to waste time saying the other end of the lesson. If you got to teach people how to treat you, you got to learn how the people you care about want to be treated. And I work to let love guide my decision. So even though I don't know you, I care about how you want to be treated and I'm trying to learn. I don't like Kyrie. And if I ever see him in person, I won't call him a nigga. But on all these podcasts, I'm going to flame that nigga. Cut it how I talk. Fuck him. 
That's just how I feel, man. You ain't gonna tell me how to talk. But if I see you in person, that's a very clear request and you have taught me how to treat you and I can respect that man to man. I'm not gonna run up and be like, hey nigga, I love your game. Cause all I do is enjoy the way he played basketball. I have no desire to antagonize that nigga. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk how I talk. That just is what it is. But if I see him, I'm be like, bro, your game nice, man. Your pity pat stupid and I'm gonna move on. <laughs> but uh, in the process of learning how to treat you, I'd be damned if I forget the first part of the lesson my grandma taught me in teaching you how to treat me. So as your ally, as a motherfucker who not a part of the patriarchy and the oppression and all that shit, uh, it's only so long that we gonna take being shit on and then pick up the sword and fight with you again and then sit back down and let your shit on us. Pick up the sword, fight with you again, sit back down and let your shit on us. I'm not going to start fighting against anything because I'm loving and I'm letting love guide my decisions. I will sit the shit out all together because I'm sick of getting shit on, though. As your ally, I will sit it out all together because I'm sick of getting shit on when somebody else step outside of bounds. It got to be a better way. And I am well aware that it ain't my place to tell you what that way is. When you figure it out, teach me and I will learn. But it got to be a better way. You got to teach me. But I'm just saying, game plan. Because your allies, we still fighting with you and we still love the shit at you. We, we ain't about that getting shitted on, though. <laughs> Not to cut you off. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Um you man, we had a great date last night, man. You and Shadi do what? Man, we had a great it's the best date we've ever been on. Like legit. Um, I did something I don't usually do. Shout out to BK. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but uh we uh we went to a restaurant here in Houston, man. Um and it was the last night of the restaurant. Like it was like the restaurant, the last night they were serving was last night. And I see the face you're making, like it's not a bad thing. It's transforming into something different. And I'll and I'll get to that that piece. Um, but it's called turn. Indigo Houston. It's a guy, he's a former Marine. His name is Johnny Rhodes. We share a last name. Um, and his his wife is his sushi. Come on, man. Johnny Rhodes, no relation. You supposed to hit that shit like that. <laughs> no, nah, bro, we might be related. We got we talked after like after service for about 30 minutes. And we might be related. <laughs> like dead ass. Related, man. Um, but uh former Marine, he and his wife started this restaurant, man, like from from the mud, like legit from the mud. Like went to Home Depot. It's a 13-seat restaurant. It's in a semicircle. It's in a big U. Uh BYOB. And he bring you like the the menu was pescatarian. So all vegetables and fish, 
Um's and seafood and For you niggas who don't read books. <laughs> niggas that don't read. Um Pescatarian. Uh say that again for him. Say the word and then explain it to him again. I'm sorry. Uh, pescat pescatarian is, yeah, it is uh seafood and vegetables. Um and for him to be a marine, those are the servicemen who be out on the water. I just want to make that connection the for the audience. Marines oh, yeah. be in the water too. Fuck you, talking about. They do. Marines, and then the Air yeah. Force is the fucking. Yeah, yeah. They the flight they, division of the Marines. Right. What they, oh. they initially? I'm sorry. No, you get money. Marine mammal, nigga. You Marine is water. Yeah. I'm sorry. Marine. Yeah, yeah. I took marine biology. Is study of water. Oh, 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 oh. Old girl who dated Ansel Edwards. Oh, this was in high school. I didn't do it at Swanee. No. No, she was a marine biologist. You didn't remember that? Oh, uh, she was uh, headed to the um Leela. 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 Futurama. Shout out to Leela, man. Shout out to Leela, man. Shout out to marine biologists, man. And people, I love people who are animal people are always willing to educate you on their field. Thank you guys for being willing to talk to animal lovers about what you guys do. Thank you for researching and finding out shit that we never would. <laughs> yeah. Shouts out to Lee Land the Ranch, man. Uh, boo. I, we not going to say her last name because I don't know how to pronounce it either. Um, but yeah, the so the restaurant is in this like nice little semicircle, 13-seated restaurant. Um, the kitchen is separated from the dining area by a bookcase and they slide the bookcase. He walks into like the semicircle. He hands like a couple or um, a couple of, this is, it was a seven course meal. Uh, he put it down in front of you. He tell you a story of like where the meal comes from. And all of it is based on like African cuisine. So like we was eating with like wooden spoons, uh, like all the, uh, not the cutlery, but the, um, the dishes, like the actual dishes were made out of like clay and stuff like that, like polished clay. Um, it, was, it was dope, bro. Like it was some of the things that you don't think, like he brought out a dish and I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's gonna be good. But I didn't think it was gonna be the best dish. It was like a couple of beans, like it wasn't a couple of beans, it was beans and carrots. And you know, them sauces that they always had at the ranch, like the green, lime green sauces and stuff. He had like, man, it was, uh, it was- That you do the plating with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, man, it was phenomenal. Green pesto tartarellini aioli. Oh, what that is, day? Hold up. Other day, white day, Minnesota white day. day. <laughs> um, WD, but, we call them DW. D-Dub. Um, but it was there. Yeah, it was, uh, I planned it two months in advance. Like once they announced on Instagram that they'd only be opening up after like all the COVID restrictions, they were opening up for like a few more weeks, uh, about a month. And then they were gonna shut it down and he's gonna turn it into a self-sustainable grocery store. Um, and he, and the couple next to me asked him like, why are you shut down the restaurant? Like you got people coming out here spending like crazy money. Like they writing about you in like the Washington Post. Like they, they writing about you in like all these different magazines and stuff. He's like, you ever heard of a restaurant being 175 years old? Have you ever heard of a grocery store being 175 years old? 
and people was like, he's like, that's what I want to do. He's like, I want to, I want my grocery stores. He's like, I can put grocery stores and farms in different cities around the country. He was like, uh, because we have one here um, called HEB. It's like a, a staple in, in Texas is the HEB grocery store. He's like, that's the feeling I want to chase. Yes, He's like, I want to chase like what it was like. It's like, it's a staple here in Texas. So what was it like when that first HEB popped up? And like now what it, what it looks like with all these HEBs we have all over the state. He's like, that's, he's like, that's what I'm chasing and building um, sustainable, like high-end food. He was like, I, he's like, I'm gonna supply restaurants like mine, like high-end restaurants with produce from, um, from my farms. But I also want people in black and brown communities to have access to finer foods like this. He said, because everybody can't come here and spend this money in this restaurant and sit in one, one of these 13 seats. Like he did it, he said, I only did it this way because this is what I knew I could handle. Um, he's like on that <coughs> on that level. He's I can hire people. I can teach people how to grow. I can I can build a model or a system for um, either when you get this restaurant, you get me. When you get the grocery store, you get my vision. And he's like, I can create systems for that vision, man. He said, so that's what I I want to do moving forward, man. So uh, yeah, man, it was it was very likely the best date me and the lady have ever had, man. And um, it was real. You know how beautiful it is for you to talk to me about a date centered around the completion of a cycle and it being the beginning of something even greater. And for you to be talking about vision and it's the five year anniversary week and people always ask you, P, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. Do you understand the thematic fucking, like, was that deliberate or like, did you know you'd get that storied element of it going there? Like, yeah. was it so like the owner come to the table because he could touch all 13 and like really share that moment? Like, expound on that for me. Yeah, I knew it would be that intimate from what I heard of from a couple of people who went there. And like when he made it available, I was like, well, when can I, when can I go? You know what I mean? And so I chose the last night because it was close to our anniversary. Um, and it would kick off the, it would kick off our anniversary week, but I knew it was that completion. And I, I was the only, we were the only two people there who hadn't been there before. Like he had one guy who'd been there nine or 10 times. He had the couple next to us to our right had been there four or five times. A couple to my left had been there six times. There was a couple in the corner. They had been there four times. And then there was like one of his really close friends who had been there four times. And so, and like- Do you know he's going to tell stories about y'all? Right. We took a picture, like we took a video. Y'all first time on his last night? You know how probably special that was to give that to y'all for the first time, the last time? Right. It was dope. You literally right now immortalized in that moment because of how much it impacted you. Like, that's a, like, damn, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. That's really cool, man. Yeah, it was really, it was dope, man. I I, I don't think we could have, 
she said that was enough, like for the anniversary. Like we ain't even got to do nothing on our actual anniversary. <laughs> she, she she said that was enough. Uh, she probably said that because that's because <laughs> of what the bill said when it came out. But <laughs> but um, yeah, chop it up with it, man. I'm gonna end up volunteering out there on the farm like we did with Haleen and the A. So um, we exchanged numbers. I got to drink 120 year old Japanese uh with scotch last night um drank a couple of different japanese whiskeys um 12 year old single malt um yeah bro it was yeah it was it was it was dope it was dope you sampled all that at the restaurant or you done bought all these bottles to get lit the rest of the week no bro it was a dude that was at the restaurant last night he, i don't meet no strangers man i got to chopping it up with a cat who was sitting next to me he was he brought a friend out for her birthday and he they had they legit had eight bottles of alcohol and he made sure i tasted all them joints dang and he was just giving me the story i i, I might have drank a good 150 dollars in like and he was giving me like a shot. I was like, just give me a shot of each because I got to drive home. And they they bring you like a water decanter. So I probably I probably drank a gallon of water last night just to diffuse it all. But it was, uh, yeah, man, it was a dope night. <laughs> it was a date that lasted from 7.30. That nigga lying. You probably drunk probably two cups. Nah, I had a lot of water. It was a lot of water. Um, We got there at 7 o'clock. We didn't end up leaving until... Almost midnight. Like we was there. <laughs> That's a dinner there, boy. Seven <laughs> courses. Yeah. We five hours. Good liquor. We got to sober up to dry. You know what I'm saying? Right. That be them good spots, though. You know what I'm saying? That welcome you in like that. Don't rush you out. That shit yeah. dope. Man. It made me feel crazy not knowing what 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 I, I definitely don't feel like we could transition into the end of the show right here. So is it okay if I give you some headline? Let's do it. I I got a few random ones, so I'm gonna find I'm gonna find some good ones because I don't really know exactly. I want to change the mood but not jump too crazy before we go to where we okay. Gorillas beat their chest to communicate with each other. Georgia is updating Jim Crow laws. Now, he's Dr. James Crow. I don't even know what that means. But that's the headline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Catch your headline. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, all right. Minnesota officer shouted taser but fired gun instead, fatally shooting a man at a traffic stop. We can go with that last one because that is, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, this is an article by CNN. Police fire tear gas at protesters in second night of demonstrations after Minnesota officer fatally shoots black man. A suburban Minnesota police officer grabbed her gun instead of her taser during an arrest and fired a shot that killed a 20-year-old unarmed black man 
in what authorities said was an accidental shooting. There is actual quotation marks in the article. The details and body-worn camera footage were released Monday by police in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, providing an account of what happened as officers tried to detain Dante Wright on Sunday following a traffic stop, but ended up shooting him. The officer shot and killed Wright. The officer that shot and killed Wright was identified Monday night as Officer Kim Porter, according to news a news release from Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, BCA. Porter has been with Brooklyn Center Police Department for 26 years and grabbed her gun instead of taser accidentally after 26 years on the force. Thoughts? Accidentally. I've owned a gun now for... Not long, not 26 years, but not not long. I've held tasers in my hand probably three or four times. I guarantee you I can tell the weight of a taser and the gun in my hand. They're not the same. They are not the same. So you also, ain't never pistol whipped your pancakes picking, oh, I thought I had a spatula. I thought I had, you're right. Okay, right. <laughs> and I know they're going to give that. It was the heat of the moment. Why at a traffic stop? This is exhausting. For this the non-gun users, and that's what I mean. For some of the people, like, for people who, like, I don't understand people who smoke weed. Do you, have you smoked it? Okay. But for non-gun users, the reason they say fill a motherfucker full of lead because bullets heavy than a bitch. A gun with no bullets in it is lighter, like noticeably lighter than a weighted pistol, like one that has a full clip. So when you pick up a gun, a full clip gun, it is much heavier than a taser that will be the consistent weight that it is every single time you ever touch it. Point blank period. It does not change in weight when you discharge the cartridges. Go ahead. It's always accidental. It's always a mistake. It's always the fault of the victim whenever we are involved. And I'll let our listeners decipher who we are um just so you know when i'm talking to you about protagonist theory you got to understand that from an educational standpoint they taught you reading comprehension they taught you when they give you a paragraph what information you are supposed to take from that paragraph k through 12 they drove that shit into your head for 12 years they know exactly how to tell you a story. They told you she shot him dead during an arrest at a traffic stop. You notice how many of these killings are during arrests at traffic stop? How many traffic stops end in a motherfucker getting arrested? 100% of the ones where we get shot somehow. 
we were a suspect in those traffic stops as opposed to a nigga who was about to get a speeding ticket, who had a tail light out, who tent was too dark. We was getting arrested, even though we never figure out what the fucking charges would have been. You feel who what I'm saying? Lane, who changed lanes without signaling? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nigga dead. Nigga n- got pulled over because he didn't signal and he was getting arrested. Like, it's crazy shit. Like, it said in the article, I didn't read the whole shit, but he was pulled over for a hanging tree at Freshner, obstructing the view of the driver. That's why he was pulled over. You heard that correctly. Yep. And apparently had a warrant or some shit like that. You can hear the woman in the video audibly yell, don't run. He tried to run, but he was clearly unarmed. And she yelled taser to let the other officers know, don't touch him because he will be electrified. And if you touching him, he going to shock the shit out you. That's why you yell taser to other officers. And when they cleared out, you also don't shoot a taser multiple times. You shoot the shit one time and you adjust the voltage once they are subdued. Right. Right. And then you disconnect it once you can put the cuffs on their ass. For the people who ain't familiar with tasers, you don't shoot the shit multiple times. <laughs> the fuck? Accidentally. On purpose, you can't shoot a goddamn taser multiple times. If you try to, it won't discharge. You have to press the fucking clip that drop them out to fire again. But yeah, man, sorry to get hype on the description of the shit, but that should be, I have to read, I have to read the article because I can't watch any more of the videos. The last thing I'll say on this issue and I'll toss it to you for what your thoughts are is my mama was born during and grew up during the Jim Crow time, bro. Jim Crow era, whatever you want to call it. And she has told me countless stories, like wild shit, like it being a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like her mom would go into the grocery store to shop and leave her in the car because she didn't want people bothering her while she was trying to get food for the family. And she'd leave the car window cracked because it was hot. And the mother would walk by with her child and say, look at the nigger, honey, spit on the nigger. And she'd have to roll the window up to prevent white people from spitting on her and sit in a 120 degree car waiting on her mama to come out with the groceries. And then her mother's mad because a car hot as fuck putting cold groceries in the car. And she don't know how to explain that it was so I didn't get spit on. You feel what the fuck I'm saying, bro? Yeah. So... That shit, bro, that shit just got me hyped, bro. I forgot where I was going. That shit got me mad talking about this shit, bro. <laughs> what the fuck were we talking about, bro? Oh, okay. <sighs> this shit scratched me out, bro. It's, it's stressful. To have been dealing with this shit for that long. You feel what I'm saying? Racism affects you negatively, according to the CDC. Like, bro, I can't even process information. I done lost my whole train of thought, man. 
That shit just got me mad, man. That shit. Take the take the mic for a second, bro. I gotta collect myself I to remember you. where I was going. No, it's uh and I'm not a person who I don't I wouldn't consider myself articulate on a lot of subjects. Um I wouldn't consider myself a an intellectual or a learned mind when it comes to um race matters outside of or interactions with the police. We'll call we won't even call it race matters. We'll just call it interactions with law enforcement and how how they go. I just know what my experience has been. And I I remember why I was gone. I'm sorry. Do you think? The reason I referenced that time, bro, is because part of why she couldn't take her child into the grocery store is because people would take your child in broad daylight and there was nothing you could do about it. Because when you reported the kidnapping to the police, that child never ended up on a milk cart. You understand me? Especially when you describe what happened because they know who took your child. So there were reasons why you couldn't take your child into the grocery store, even beyond the 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 stuff that she experienced in the parking lot that she was trying to protect her from in the store. You understand me? So my, my family has lost people to lynchings, and I'm going to just leave it at that. So when I say I physically get sick to my stomach when I hear about another one of these things happening because I know there's another lynching. If you have convinced yourself that every one of these videos that roll out isn't a public lynching, you fooling yourself. The only difference is that in 2021, you don't get to see their reactions. They don't have to go stand out in the town square to see a nigga swing from a tree. They can sit in the comfort of their home and eat some sugar smacks and watch niggas die on loop. It's countless videos of us getting shot in the back, choked to death, knee on our throat. They can watch these videos over and over and over and don't even have to pay anything outside of their cell phone bill, let alone go out and show their face to show that they enjoy this shit. So for the community that love this shit, All of these public lynchings, all of these videos that get released make me sick to my stomach. Because for those of you who are allies, I promise you I am not trying to beat up on you right now with what I'm saying. But I'd be damned if the allies in the other community make me ignore the people who made my mama roll her motherfucking window up. Because they haven't died. They are of the age that are the people in Washington making the fucking laws. The spin on the nigger, honey. Those people are making the laws right now. You understand me? They ain't dead and gone. This shit ain't something we don't have to worry about anymore. The child that was being told to spit on my mother is her age. You understand me? She's still kicking. She in her 50s. 
her mama's still here. You feel me? That's why when you see these videos of these doctors and shit with these people who are in hospice care saying crazy wild shit to them with this, I will always love you music behind it. I look at that shit totally motherfucking different because of what they fucking youth look like. I'd be damned if you talk about how, I ain't gonna read the honor quote again. Fuck it. We said threes. This is the third time I'm gonna go through it. I'm gonna read this honor quote one last time, bro. H-O-N-O-R. Hana. A great many have grown up and intelligent people believe or pretend to believe that by behaving in a friendly and accommodating way to our attackers, we will show them that they have nothing to fear from us and diffuse their wrath. The idea that such behavior would be taken by a ruthless and implacable enemy only as a sign of weakness is as foreign to them as the concept of honor itself. It ain't no honor in this shit, bro. And to bring things full circle, to watch the full videos and these body cameras that come out, you oftentimes see professionals who are on duty, who are trained in crisis situations, whose literal job it is, is to diffuse high danger situations. It is their job to diffuse them. That is what the training entails. Hostage situation? Get the hostages free. Bank robber? Stop the robbery. Murder about to happen? Stop the shooter. You feel whatever, like... Bring it to something simple. Motherfucker speeding, pull him over, give him a ticket and a deterrent to speeding again, catch speeder again, give him a higher fine that may be better incentive, catch him a third time, put enough points on his license to take it away to keep everybody else safe. Their literal job in every facet is to defuse high danger situations. In a lot of these videos, you see the cop the motherfucker at work escalating the situation at every turn and the citizen called upon at every turn to be a victim and to relinquish all of his rights and all of his motherfucking normal human instincts, be pepper sprayed, be beaten, be strangled and manhandled, or he will be murdered. So you see a lot of these lynchings. I'm going to stop calling them police killings. You see a lot of these lynchings And the buildup to this person's death is them screaming, please stop. Please let me go. Please, I can't breathe. You see them relinquishing their right to fight their natural human instinct because they know if they fight in the slightest, it'll be justified when they're killed. So to watch these lynchings, to read the descriptions of these lynchings, and to see them result in their murder anyway, Disgust me, bro. That's that don't fight shit. That just that's that that's why I kept reading that motherfucking quote today, bro. Because I knew where we was going with the GST to give me some timeline. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And to camel back on that point, 
we know how this always like this this person will be acquitted of any wrongdoing. If he and if he it's going to result in them court. asking. If he's even yeah. indicted, even if even if the grand jury if decides they, if, to if indict him. Indicted. Right. Even if they indict it. Well, we know what we can't allow to happen. Is they going. These officers need more training. And all more training means is we going to give them more money. We going to give them more tools for them to keep perpetuating this cycle because it doesn't, it doesn't end when they're more trained like these, they are the most well-trained, like the United States law enforcement, the United States military are the most well-trained <laughs> in the world. And I tell they you They are the most well-trained in the world and they are trained, they're, they're doing what they are trained to do. I read an article that was an offshoot of this preparing for the show. The reason tasers aren't predominantly used and guns taken away altogether is because the training is way more expensive. And so is the equipment. Think about what we pay. Imagine what they pay for pistols buying in bulk versus what they pay for tasers, the replacements, extra cartridges, if it's all they use. I got a partner who a trucker and he told me point blank period. I had a nigga who drive trains tell me this too. They are trained in accident situations. If there's a car on the tracks or if you're an 18 wheeler and you get in a wreck, no it stop. is better to kill the other person in the accident because it is going to cost less to the company and the insurance and the deductible and the payout if you kill that person than if they survive and you have to pay them a settlement. They train train drivers and truck drivers. It is better to kill them than to injure them. So what do you think they train the police officers for when the camera's not rolling? Like some of this shit may not be like niggas. You know, sometimes people be like, I, I, I did exactly what I was trained to do. And people be like, don't you see how that's worse? And then the agency will come out and say, that ain't what we trained them to do. Well, what did y'all train them to do? You never get an answer. You never get an answer. Yeah. This should a painful process. It is, bro, man. And I hated to bring the place down after the wonderful, the wonderful sharing you gave us about the anniversary, man. But shit ain't all peachy and shit ain't all roses, man. And I gave you the headlines you chose. So we here. We here now, cuz. You know what I'm saying? But this is something, this is a conversation on wax. This is a cow, as you could tell from the logo. Shouts out to the gang gang. Mm. But uh, Bro. when I'm really down and on some other shit, I'm the day going left on me, man. It could be dead ass. And tell me if I'm lying. It could be three o'clock in the morning. It could be seven o'clock in the morning. It could be two o'clock in the afternoon. 
if I just need to shift the energy and the direction of my day, man, I call my dog P up and be like, bro, tell me something good, G. Yes, sir. Uh, there's something good I can tell you is we have, we will be instituting a, the story that I'm going to give you is centered around us instituting a new segment of this show um, because of recent events. And I'll give you that now. Me and my dog are musicians, we're artists, we're writers, we're orators. And we've been doing this now for him since he was 14, me since I was 18, 19-ish. And in some way, shape or form, we were both impacted by somebody we recently lost, a giant, a behemoth in the hip hop realm. Um, And not just the hip hop realm, but we'll get more to that. He was a giant in hip hop and that's how we were, I'm sure introduced to him, both of us. Uh, That is Earl DMX Simmons. Um, And he recently passed and The reason I bring it up, not to iterate on the theme of death, but to talk about it and to be honest about it, because obviously death, like you got to earn the right to die and everybody's going to do it. Um, And the reason I bring Earl Simmons DMX up is because I have an affinity for the man and I have since I was a seventh grader um and after his passing like i'm an avid twitter user and everything that i've seen like from his passing has been these just random beautiful um stories from just a number of people i read one story about a young lady who uh took her daughter or stepdaughter on a trip after her stepdaughter graduated and DMX ended up sitting by the stepmother on the plane. He hopped on with his entourage and he had this conversation with her over a short flight. And when the flight ended, he they exchanged numbers and he said he was gonna call her. He called her that night, had her and the stepdaughter come to his concert and they in, enjoyed a wonderful night with him. And it's these random stories about DMX and an IHOP helping people mop and clean up at the end of the night. And like, and he embodies the type of life that I would love to live. Just random, like just and people see racks as money, a currency that you accumulate, and they have dead presidents on them. Racks for me are completely different. I don't want them type of racks. I want to rack up a different type of racks and that's random acts of kindness. And that is what that nigga DMX has always been about because no story about that man was that he sought to hurt anybody. He suffered from addiction. Sure, he was a whole fucking person. He was a whole human being. And the beautiful thing about him is that everybody that came in contact with him, he gave something to them that they were able to take away 
Like, I feel like I'm one of half a dozen people in the world that don't have a story about DMX to where I actually met him, actually got a picture with him, actually got to interact with him. And he's such a huge inspiration. Like, we've lost people in the past and they, they haven't been as much. Like, he's my favorite New York rapper. There will never be another new, there will never be a number one New York rapper in my book that exceeds his impact. And everybody's ranking is completely different, but DMX is number one and will forever be the number one New York rapper in my book. And to and speak to because, something you just said about his impact on all of the people he met, I was reading some that was talking about our similar to, to, to talking about the identity thing and how we see ourselves. You have to have a genuine ownership over who you are because you're literally thousands of different people. Everyone you ever met has an impression of you and has an image of who you are. If you if you were walking down the street and you saw a woman cross the street, you're that scary guy that she saw on the walk home that night. If she never sees you again, that's all you ever exist as in her life. And we all have the power to shape the universe and create it around us. So people's perception is powerful. And as an individual who struggled with addiction, in his moments, of health, there, there were fewer people who took ownership over that power the way DMX did. That's why that many stories exist. You feel what I'm saying? So for you to be the person you are, it doesn't surprise me at all for you to talk to me about Rex the way you did. You on your way, bro. Think about being thousands of different people and how you affect the people around you. Think about being thousands of different peas, thousands of different Fred Rhodes. You on your way. And I hit up my dog, COD, Decatur Boy Music, during this celebration of life of somebody that we both admire. Um, and I hit him with an idea and he, whenever I hit him up with an idea, he always nurtures my ideas. Uh, he pours water on them. He gets them into the correct amount of sunlight uh, and they grow from there. And I told them how much I dislike how we only get these DMX stories in a in a flood because now he's no longer with us. And so from now on, we're gonna start doing this shit like New Orleans, man. Because the show is giving me some headlines, we give, give me some timeline, give me, give me some second line from now on. And we just gonna pick, and this is my, like my dog gave me this. He's like, we gonna pick somebody and we just gonna flood their ass with love because of what they put into the world and how much love they put into the world 
and the 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 racks that they built up, um, not just in our lives, but in others' lives. And hopefully that catches on. And as we pouring out this love, other people will start seeing, um, like I recently saw a video of somebody who's from New Orleans saying, man, I gotta die here because this is how we do. And it was somebody who passed away and they celebrated their life. But why are you living? Go ahead. Check your mic cord, you clipping. And I don't want them to miss what you are saying right now. You distorting when you talking. Can you hear me better? It's still clipping. Shit. Maybe it's my headphones, keep going, I'm sorry. No, no, we'll you. dub it over if we need to. I'll send it to you. That's a bit. Um, yeah, I saw this person on, I forget what platform it was, but he said, I got to die in New Orleans because of how we treat people whenever they pass away. It's a celebration of life. Well, while you living, we need to celebrate people like they live. And so for those people who put, who James Baldwin said, the world is truly held together by the love and the passion of a few. We gonna find them few, man. And we gonna make sure they understand how important they are to keeping this shit to fucking together. So the good thing is DMX, man, we appreciate you for everything that you put into this world, everything that you inspire, everything that you will inspire, the man that you were, the energy that you gave, the humanity that you live with, the honesty that you live with, the integrity that you provided every time you stepped into an arena and you had an interaction with somebody, man. Like it won't be forgotten. And because we still here, I really want to be somebody that extends, um, extends who you were in my own way. So that's something good, man. Is and I, I pray with the same bravery that he walked into the darkness and carried the moniker as the dark man. That he get to see the light. We can't guarantee this feeling goes to be here in the morning. So I'll leave you with this blessing. Rub that in because I'm on it, girl. You so this has been season one. Episode four. Of give me some headlines, man. You got any thoughts to lead us out? Oh, walk and breathe and bless. Amen.